everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith, and I'm here to bring you the preview show ahead of this weekend's match between Bayern Munich and Eintracht Frankfurt. Last weekend, we didn't get a game for Bayern Munich. It was snowed out. So Union Berlin, Bayern Munich did not happen. Uh, very unfortunate because Bayern Munich, I think, needs to play games right now as much as they need rest for certain players there are other players who need to get into a rhythm, who need to get back into form. So every game is important for one reason or another. Uh, just a shame that the snow <laughs> was so significant that it canceled the match. Of course, the decision was the right call. Uh, when you're talking about player safety, fan safety, all of that, uh, sometimes just get snowed out. And that's what happened last weekend. Uh, this weekend, of course, we will have Eintracht Frankfurt. Bayern Munich will be visiting Frankfurt in what should be a fun match. This is not the Frankfurt of yesteryear or even a few years ago. Uh, Frankfurt does not have that same kind of attacking star power that we had seen in recent iterations of the Adler. This should be a match where Bayern is the favorite and should hold a significant advantage, but Eintracht is feisty. They're not very good in my opinion, but they are feisty. And this could present an issue if Bayern Munich does not come out focused and on top of things. So let's take a look at where each team is in the Bundesliga table. Bayern Munich is sitting at se is sitting in second place through 12 match days. Uh, of course, with that cancellation, they did not play their 13th Bundesliga game as of yet. Uh, they have 10 wins, two draws, zero losses. That's good for 32 points, which has them directly behind first place Bayer Leverkusen who suffered a draw last week against Borussia Dortmund. Uh, ironically, Dortmund helping out Bayern in that 1-1 match. Uh, that should be something that comes up significantly in future weeks as Bayern and Leverkusen battle for that top position. Uh, Bayern Munich has 43 goals for, nine goals against. That's good for a goal differential of 34. Over the last five games in the Bundesliga, Bayern Munich is 5-0, and of course, that last victory being against FC Köln back on November 23rd. As for Eintracht Frankfurt, they are in seventh place through 13 match days. Four wins, six draws, three losses. That's good for 18 points. It actually has them tied with SC Freiburg, but Eintracht Frankfurt holds the edge as of now. Uh, Frankfurt has 19 goals for 15 against that's good for a goal differential for SC Freiburg has 16 goals for 23 against. So you can see why Eintracht Frankfurt holds that very slight edge right behind those two teams in the table is FC Augsburg with 17 points, Borussia Mönchengladbach and Wolfsburg each with 16. So it's very tight in that middle section of the table. Eintracht Frankfurt through its last five matches has one win, two draws, two losses. They are on a two-game losing streak in the Bundesliga. Last week was a 2-1 loss to Augsburg. So for Eintracht Frankfurt, this is an extremely important match. They have a downward trend. They have not won a game in their last three matches in the Bundesliga. That third match was a draw back on November 11th against the lowly Werder Bremen. So... Frankfurt is going to have to come out focused. I don't think this is the type of Frankfurt team that can come out and try and go punch for punch for Bayern Munich. So this is where we always look at things and, and see how they play out as to what kind of match this will be. 
Frankfurt needs points. They desperately want to get up to a, a top six position that would make them eligible for European play. And it's within grasp. I know it's very early in the season, but they're just two points behind Hoffenheim. And Hoffenheim has been far from a juggernaut this season. It does look like those first five positions are pretty stable as of now. When we look at Leverkusen, Bayern Munich, VfB Stuttgart, RB Leipzig, and Borussia Dortmund, they seem to be just a notch ahead of the pack right now. So that sixth position, theoretically, could have Hoffenheim, Eintracht, SC Freiburg, Augsburg, Mönchengladbach, Wolfsburg. They're all in the mix for that. So that should be a really fun battle for anyone following that. Of course, getting that European position is is so important financially to so many teams. So you can bet that Eintracht will be doing anything they can to at least draw a point out of this. And anytime you can take a point off Bayern Munich is, is a huge thing for just about any club. But to get one now and set yourself up nicely to be able to challenge for a that number six position Eintracht is absolutely going to be working toward that. When we look at this Eintracht team, like I said, it's it's not the same kind of star power that we had seen in the past. You don't necessarily have the up-and-coming rising stars that look like they are poised to come out and, and uh, attract bigger clubs to get bigger deals. I mean, there are some names on this team. We're just not seeing a lot of what I would say wins <laughs> or great performances. Uh, Kevin Trapp in goal is obviously the biggest of the names I would say, but they also have Omar Marmouche, Elias Shakri, uh, Hugo Larson. My per, one of my personal favorites, given my Philadelphia roots here, Paxton Aronson, who is from right over the bridge in Medford, New Jersey. Uh, for you, you US MNT fans, he is someone to keep an eye on for the future. He's already gotten a couple of call-ups, so he is a kid who potentially could be a player who develops really nicely in Europe, but he's uh, going to have to get more opportunities than he has thus far. Mario Gutza, of course, the 2014 Germany hero. Uh, Gutza is definitely one of those players who I think a lot of fans root for, me included. I want to see him do well. He has been through so much. Of course, he had that meteoric rise to the beginning of his career and, and all of the stardom that came with it, the move to Bayern Munich, and then it really just did all come collapsing down. And part of that was because of a health issue that they could not identify and and when they did, it was unfortunate because he had lost, what, three years of his career in terms of struggling. Just a very unfortunate thing for Gutze. So, I, I, you know, I would like to see him have a little bit more success with Eintracht Frankfurt, but I'd be lying if I said this was his best season so far. Philip Max, uh, <laughs> a player who at one point was uh, firmly in the mix for the German national team to play left back, but had an opportunity to do so, uh, did not do so well when he got that call up, but he is a very offensive-minded player. Uh, he can actually flip around and play a little bit in the midfield as well. He is a guy who he can impact games offensively, but defensively he he can sometimes be a liability, and I think that that is what has hindered him. Uh, Robin Koch, who is a player, again, was one time in the mix for the German national team, but is not there anymore. There is talent, and it's not to say that that this Eintracht team is, is void of that, because they are certainly not. But 
they do not have those players who were really rising meteorically up. I mean, Randall Kolomwani is the most recent one, but you could go back to Luka Jovic, Anti Rebic, Sebastian Haller. There were so many that came up through over the years who really set themselves up nicely to make moves to other clubs. Uh, but this iteration has, I don't want to call them retreads, but had some players who were already established, who were coming back and looking to make an impact uh, and, and really revive their careers. So uh, there are absolutely some, some options there. Uh, I guess another name that you might be familiar with, uh, because he was a Bayern youth player who made the transfer over to Frankfurt in 2022 is Marcel Wenning. I mean, there are players you recognize, obviously, uh, but unfortunately for for Eintracht, some of those are hurt, and we'll talk about them. Uh, some of the injured players, Timothy Chandler has, is out indefinitely. Elias Shkree is battling a hamstring injury. Sebastian Rhoda has a calf injury. Uh, those are three significant injuries for a Eintracht Frankfurt squad that that could really ill afford any injuries. Uh so on track, as you look at their roster, you can see there's talent. It's not quite what it was in recent years, but it's a capable group. So can they execute a game plan? Can they play a bigger, better, faster, more skilled team like Bayern Munich? And can they do something to find a way to, to really eke out one point here? Because I, I don't, even though they are the home team and, and listen, Deutsche Bank Park is a very it's a great atmosphere for anyone uh to experience but you know Dino Topmuller is going to have to again another Bayern connection there is going to have to come out and really inspire his team to not just perform to the best of their abilities but also to to find a way to battle through what are certainly going to be some adverse situations on the field so i do like frankfurt i like a lot of things they have going on. I just don't think they quite have the horses right now to compete with Bayern Munich. And as for Bayern Munich, when we look at their current squad, you immediately start to think about the injuries and illnesses that are racking up the team. Uh, the good news is that Jamal Musiala looks like he's back, fully back, and he'll be cleared for the game this weekend. Matthijs Delict is back training on the ball, which is excellent news because Kim Min-Jae and Daya Upamakano desperately need a partner in there to help them out. Leon Gretzka has done a, a really fantastic job when called upon, but he's a midfielder. And, and while you're getting away with that right now, it's certainly not an ideal situation to have to rely upon for the rest of the season. So when Delict comes back, I really anticipate, you know, one that Kim Min Jae and Daya Upamakana will start to look a little bit better because they'll actually be able to get some rest. And I, I still think Delict is the best of the three. And eventually over the course of this season, if Tuchel gives him the opportunity, I think the Lick's star will really start to shine. He just has not really adapted to life that well under Tuchel. I'm not sure that Tuchel's management style is really something that creates an environment where Delict will thrive. I think Delict is a player with obviously a ton of talent, a ton of leadership ability. What we've come to see about Tuchel is the the players who have been recognized as leaders on this Bayern Munich team are often some of the players that Tuchel has targeted or that we see stars about uh, stories about. It doesn't mean there's any kind of grand conspiracy, but I do think Tuchel likes to be in control. I don't think he necessarily, li necessarily likes to have 
too many big voices in a locker room. I think that's why we've started to see stories emerge that Tuchel has aligned himself with Harry Kane and Leroy Sané. Obviously, two fantastic players, but not two players who have a strong voice in that Bayern Munich locker room. It's very interesting, that dynamic, and it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. When you are a coach and you take over a team like Tuchel did last year, to kind of eschew those players like Kimmich and Goretzka and, and Thomas Muller and DeLict, and even to an extent Manuel Neuer, who were the recognized leaders of the team, uh, and to really start to, I don't want to say shift that balance, but Tuchel, you know, we've heard the stories that he's got his guys and they're Kane and Sané. And it's not to say that he's trying to make them leaders on the team, but if those are his designated guys, as we've heard about, it, it does start to shift some of that locker room power away from those established leaders. So um, right now, you know, Thomas Muller's role in the team is diminishing. And as it does diminish, so will his leadership value. Manuel Neuer, we know, is pretty much season to season at this point. So this is a, a real changing of the guard. And one of the underplayed stories is how Tuchel manages that. If he is the answer long term as the manager, he's going to have to foster a new group of locker room leaders and, you know, with Kimmich being linked to transfers, Goretzka, you know, rumored to be in the doghouse, same with Delict. It just does seem a little bit too coincidental that those players have all had stories break about them or that have kind of been pushed where they've been kind of pushed to the side, unlike uh, some of the other players. So it, it's a it's a story that I know I'll be watching because I, I, I am very curious to see how Tuchel leads this kind of transition in the team. You clearly have a a locker room full of veterans, some of whom were on their way out in terms of their career. So, uh, you know, when we look at how he's handled Thomas Muller, we look at, you know, how he talked about Leon Goretzka the last season into the summer and earlier this season, same for DeLict. It does really look at, look like he would like to move on from some players and replace them and kind of refresh or reboot the locker room. That's just my theory. But when I see these stories, it does concern me that that Tuchel is really trying to put his own imprint on this team and build the locker room around him rather than let that organically grow through the players. Anyway, I'll get off that soapbox and we'll talk about Tuchel's perspective lineup for this one. Uh, the one other thing I did not note was that Nusar Mizrawi is still sick. And this, I've talked about this in other episodes on Bavarian Podcast work, but, works, but this sickness this year, whatever it is, it is so bad and it's not just me saying it because i have had family members get it and i even had a, a a minor dose of it back earlier in the fall it was worse than covid as i've said before and <laughs> it seems like when it hits you it, it totally racks you up and it doesn't want to leave and i think that if mesrawi is still sick i would have to think that he's gotten at least a similar strain of what i had earlier in the fall and Certainly what kept my my family down for a bit. Uh, this is it's not good. It's it's very serious when I hope none of you get it. I'm sure a lot of you have already. I know we've had some people on the BFW staff who have, have had a touch of this and haven't been able to shake it. So for a professional athlete whose body is a finely tuned engine, when you're not operating at full capacity and this goes on for a week or two, 
I mean, it's very debilitating and it's got to be mentally very straining on Mizrahi as well. So hopefully he recovers quickly uh, from this point because it, it's not fun. And it does concern me that he's still sick because I saw it with my own eyes, how it affected people and how it just zapped them and made them not themselves. And, and I hope that he, uh, I hope for one, he doesn't have anything like that. And for two, I hope if he does, he gets, he's able to get healthy. So looking at the potential lineup, we'll factor that in Manuel Neuer at goalkeeper, Dio Upamakano and Kim Min Jae. Now Kim Min Jae had, he's been banged up. He's been tired. I think he obviously has had a, a good enough amount of time to rest and get back in there. So we'll see those two at center back. Alfonso Davies, he of the never-ending transfer stories. The most recent one is that it's now a salary issue between Bayern Munich and Alfonso Davies, and they can't get aligned because he was all set to agree for $12 million per season, but now has kind of moved things and wants more money. Uh, back when Brazo was in charge, it seemed like a, a deal was in place for that $12 million per season, but now Davies wants more. And the ball is in Bayern Munich's court. Do they want to continue to go higher for a left back? A position that, you know, let's be honest, when you have a great left back, it's great. But do you need to pay someone to get a similar performance uh, out there from someone who, who you wouldn't have to pay as much? Now, there aren't really any like-for-like like comparisons with Davies, but could you find someone to do a steady job who could play a defensive style? Sure. Uh, so Byron has some choices to make. Uh, they certainly are starting to load up left backs in the, in the club system there. So uh, they could potentially be putting together contingency plans for Davies to leave. But I think if, if Davies were to ultimately leave, Byron would probably look to the transfer market to find someone, but That'll be obviously one of these stories that drags on over the course of the season. I'm still predicting that Davies is going to leave next summer. Uh, on the right side, I think we'll see Conrad Limer with Mizrahi out. Limer's flexibility to be able to slide back into the right back role is massive. Uh, listen, I mean, Limer has been okay this season. I think he's done well at times. I think he's struggled at others. But overall, I mean, I never expected him to come in and be a starting central midfielder. I did not think at any point he was better than Goretzka or Kimmich. And the fact that he actually got the nod early on over Goretzka, I thought was very telling in terms of how Tuchel was going to handle this team. Uh, it, it just seemed like he had his mind made up on Goretzka without even really having a competition for the position. But either way, Limer will play right back, and I'm glad that he is on Bayern Munich because it does give – Tuchel the flexibility to, to use him there. And he's done, I would say, fairly well for himself there. Central midfield, Yashua Kimmich, Leon Goretzka have been, I, I think, listen, I I'm, I'm know I'm in the minority with this, but I think they've been really good this season. I, I'm still in the I, I don't, I'm still in the camp where I don't think Bayern Munich needs a number six. And as it turns out, they might not be prioritizing one anyway. That's some of the latest news we've seen indicates that Bayern will be focused on getting a defender in the January transfer window, someone that can play both center back or right back uh, so that they have that, again, flexibility and the versatility to be able to shift people around, especially knowing that you could lose players like Mesrali and Kim Min Jae due to international duty come January. I think that'll be very, very important for Bayern to go out and secure a quality player as a defender. And with a transfer budget that is rumored to be somewhere between $50 million and $65 million, 
It's not out of the realm of possibility to go out and get two players, a defender and a defensive midfielder, but chances are you're not going to get someone of the requisite quality needed. If you have to spend a decent amount on one player, it just won't leave enough in the budget to go out and get someone that you want for the other position. So why force a move? You have some versatility there. You have Limer who can play in the midfield. You have Kratzig who can play in the midfield, Rafael Guerrero. You have Jamal Musiala who can drop back and play. You have options. And as much as some of you out there might not like it, I think that's almost the way you have to go from this point. It's a shame, yes. And I know I was a proponent of Stanisic going to Leverkusen on loan because I think it's good for him. And I stand by that. It's a great move for him. Was it ever good for Bayern Munich? Probably not. And, and I don't think that anyone would, would argue that it was. But for Stanisic, he's probably better off. He's on the first place team. He's getting the experience of playing in a different environment. And I think he's raising his value individually and for Bayern Munich just by being at Leverkusen and performing. It would have been interesting to see where, where Stanisic would have played, how much of the CDM he would have played, how much of center back, how much of right back, because he could play everywhere. I mean, he could play left back. That's just how versatile he is. So, uh, yeah, it would have been interesting to have Stanisic, but Byron is, you know, they've handled the situation well so far without him. He's obviously not coming back this season because Leverkusen is not going to strengthen their their chief rival for the Bundesliga. Uh, you know, Stanisic, it's just a very unique situation where Byron loaned out a player that they desperately need to their top competitor in their own league. So very, very interesting. Uh, at the wing positions, this is where it gets a little bit interesting. Leroy Sané is an in-question starter at this point, so it always comes down now to Kingsley Coman and Serge Gnabry. Who will get the call out of those two? Coman has been the recent favorite for Tuchel. He was a player who, I don't want to say he was in Tuchel's doghouse earlier either, but he was really on the cusp of it. Wasn't really getting many opportunities, at least not as many as Gnabry and Sané were earlier. I think Tuchel does favor Gnabry over Coman. But Coman's just been better than Gnabry this season. All that said, I mean, it's a tough call because we're trying to think like Tuchel, which I don't know that anyone can. I'll stick with Coman. I think Tuchel's sending Gnabry a little bit of a message. So Sané and Coman will get the call at the wing positions. At the 10, we'll see Jamal Musiala, Thomas Muller. I don't know how much they're going to see. Anyone will see of him moving forward. Tuchel... No matter what Tuchel says, he clearly doesn't have a vision for how to use Muller. So I would think like a side of random sub appearances and maybe a spot start here or there, which I, I don't anticipate there to be many of considering how Jamal Musiala has demanded more playing time and demanded to stay on the field. Uh, I would I would think that we won't see much of Thomas Muller moving forward. So Jamal Musial playing the 10 and Harry Kane, of course, the nine. So that is how Bayern Munich will line up. As for a prediction on this one, just don't think Eintracht Frankfurt is going to be able to pull it out. I, I don't think they have the talent level. I don't think they're playing that well right now. And even though they'll probably try and implement a low block and force Bayern Munich to try and break it, I think Bayern will break through, get one early, and this will end up being a 2-0 victory. Nothing overly exciting. I don't think this is going to be quite as boring as some of the last efforts we've seen out of Bayern Munich. But, uh, you know, this is one of those games where Eintracht is going to make it very, very tough on Bayern to score. I think they're just going to try and limit the damage because, as we know, 
that goal differential can be a big factor in the Bundesliga and Eintracht right now has an edge over their closest competitor. And I think they are truly going to try and limit damage. So two nil Bayern Munich over Eintracht Frankfurt. That'll do it for this preview show. Please keep an eye out for the weekend warm up, which will drop at some point on Thursday. If you haven't checked it out, go back and hit the flagship show. The, the boys did a, a really nice job on that this week. Always like hearing the different voices we have out there. So please give that a listen. As always, you can get me at the Barrel Blog on Twitter. You can get the site at Bavarian FB Works. You can get our tweetmeister, Tom Adams, at TommyAdams71. You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. You can get Siler at CYL3R. And you can always get our great BFW staff and our group of podcasters at BavarianFootballWorks.com. We'll be covering the game in depth. We'll have all of the post-game coverage, all of the pre-game quotes, everything. So keep checking us out there. We've got a whole lot of transfer news right now, too. So keep checking that out. Uh, As always, have a couple of beers on me. Enjoy the game this weekend, and we'll see you next time.